Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Leonard Glenn Francis, aka Fat Leonard, is the mastermind behind the worst public corruption scandal in the U.S. Navy's history. He was arrested in 2013, pleaded guilty to his charges in 2015, and has been on house arrest since 2018. And now, weeks before a much-anticipated sentencing, he's gone missing. UT reporter Greg Moran has the story. Okay, well, Greg, thank you for joining me. Uh, to begin here, could we start with some background? Who is Fat Leonard? Remind me of his crimes. Uh, Fat Leonard is uh, Leonard Glenn Francis. He's a uh, Malaysian businessman who for many years ran a company called the uh, Glenn Defense Marine Asia that was in the business of servicing uh, ships as they came into ports around Asia. Um, he was a contractor with the United States Navy um, who uh, would, uh, you know, provide water and take off sewage and food and security and things when uh, Navy ships uh, made port visits. Um, he is uh, known now because uh, he was in, uh, arrested and charged and eventually pleaded guilty uh, about seven years ago to masterminding a very uh, large uh, bribery and corruption scheme uh, where he uh, would bribe uh, Navy officials, officers, uh, civilian contractors, and others uh, with wine, booze, sex, you know, uh, use of prostitutes, I should say. Uh, and in return, they gave him uh, all kinds of information about where the ships were heading and mostly allowed him to overcharge the Navy, to gouge the Navy uh, uh, on the services he was offering uh, to the tune of, of tens of millions of dollars. Got it. Well, and now he's missing shortly before he was set to be sentenced. What do we know about his escape? Well, not very much. You know, uh, we know this, that he was supposed to be sentenced, as you said, on September 22nd. Um, he has been cooperating, helping the government out with all of the uh, 30-some cases that they have brought against others. He has been uh, providing them information uh, on the culpability, the guilt of these other people. Um, the last of those cases uh, completed in June, he is now was supposed to be sentenced in a few days. What we know is um, he has been on an unusual uh, kind of custody arrangement where he is not in jail. He's not in a federal lockup, but has been living in probably two different private homes uh, because of uh, medical uh, problems that he has that cannot be treated within the Bureau of Prisons or the jail setting. And what we know is that uh, timeline is a little fuzzy, either sometime Saturday or uh, sometimes Sunday morning he cut off his GPS monitoring anklet, which anybody on a home release has to wear, uh, and fled. Um, uh, eventually that afternoon, some people showed up uh, to the house where he was staying up in Torrey Highlands, uh, opened the door, and it was completely cleaned out. The only thing apparently in there was his shorn off GPS bracelet. Yeah, I mean, was his house arrest situation uncommon? It seems he was kind of getting preferential treatment. A part of your story that kind of struck me was that he had selected and was paying for his own guards. Is, is that is that normal? That is not normal. There was very little that was normal about this. Uh, no. Now, what, here's what we know. Uh, in late 2017, maybe early 18, he really had serious medical problems. The documents and information that kind of discuss this uh, all, all redact the specific information about 
what his uh, medical problems were. But he was having problems that were so bad uh, that, the, as I said, the medical authorities within the uh, uh, federal uh, jail and prison system couldn't handle it. Um, so he was granted what's called a medical furlough, uh, where he was al al allowed to live outside of the uh, jail um, to receive medical treatment um, under a, a several conditions. He couldn't uh, leave the home except to go to a religious service or doctor's appointments. He couldn't have electronic devices. And as you pointed out, kind of most crucially, he, he had to be under 24 seven uh, security. Uh, and this was security that he paid for. He's still a, a wealthy man. Uh, it, it, because the the marshal, U.S. Marshals uh, and and uh, just didn't have the, the the capacity apparently to put a guard or guards at his house, uh, you know, round the clock year round over the last four years. So he was paying for this security. He was living under this uh, the uh, supervision of a court agency called Pretrial Services. Uh, the court itself, uh, the judge in this case, was holding regular hearings about every 90 days about his status, his medical status, his uh, uh, security status, and things like that, all of which for uh, most of the time were done under seal and in closed courtrooms, so nobody really knew until January when a lot of that information was unsealed what his situation was, but it was, it is an extraordinarily unusual circumstance, not just for the setup, but for its duration. You know, this was uh, for really kind of maybe going on five years that he has not had to live in uh, the downtown high rise, the MCC lockup. How have officials responded to this? You know, with uh, very uh, minimally, I was I would say, uh, you know, they confirmed that he had escaped. Um, there is some confusion, uh, to me at least, on the timeline. Um, the the federal authorities say that uh, they got some kind of an alert or an anomaly. They say with his GPS sometime on Sunday. Uh, you know, they ended up contacting his defense lawyers and saying, "Can you go and check on him?" and they went out there and some time went by and then the police showed up, San Diego police, and there's, you know, can we go in? And then people kind of went in about two, um, but, and they have put out a wanted poster for it, for him. They say that they have they've got 10 or 12 agencies looking for him, including a future task force. But there are a lot of questions here about what happened. I mean, chief among them, what's, what was the deal with the security guards? They were supposed to be there, they weren't. Um, you know, where was the court supervision? You know, it's interesting to me that this occurred on a long holiday weekend. Uh, Leonard is nothing if not calculating and very careful. I'm sure that was intentional, that he could, uh, you know, either was thinking or maybe out of habit. Pretrial services didn't show up unannounced on long weekends, so he probably figured he had a pretty good jump to do it then. So, you know, th there are a lot of unanswered questions here. Uh, and unfortunately, no federal authorities uh, are really answering them. Um, you know, the Marshal Service is kind of giving out some minimal information about what the status is, but any other uh, queries about how this could happen um, is really be just being met with silence. Well, do we know what his sentencing could have been, was supposed to have been? Was it going to be more house arrest? Was there a possibility he would go back to um, an, you know, a, a, an institution, a prison? Um, and how might this affect that? 
Well, that's a, a great question. And I think it's something that probably fed into this. So he was going to be sentenced in a couple of weeks. And as, as we said earlier, you know, he has been helping out uh, the, the prosecution, uh, both in the trial that concluded and in these other cases, given an enormous amount of information. He's talked to him probably hundreds of times. When you do that, after you plead guilty and you cooperate like that, you know, part of the bargain, the deal is that you will get some consideration at the time of your sentencing in the form of a, a recommendation from the prosecutors to reduce your potential sentence, right? So he was facing, you know, it's always hard to tell in federal cases because the sentencing is, uh, you know, not, it's kind of subjective, but, um, you know, with the amount of money that he was accused of stealing and the extent of this, he was probably looking at a uh, my guess, 20 years, 15 to 20 years in prison. He has been in custody for nine years. And then, you know, maybe he gets uh, an additional, you know, amount of time shaved off of that. But it's hard to tell. There, there are no sentencing documents that have yet been filed in the case. And one has to wonder, you know, um, uh, you know how much of a reduction he was going to get or if he learned recently that he wasn't going to get a, a big discount on his sentence, that he was looking at a lengthy, lengthier time in prison and decided the heck with this, I'm going. Um, so we really don't know what, uh, you know what he would have faced on September 22nd when he was supposed to be sentenced. What happens now? I mean, now if they get him, if they find him and they bring him back, I mean, the hammer's going to drop on this guy. You know, you, you don't you don't escape federal custody and and get any breaks in your sentencing. Um, it's going to be if they ever catch him, if he had any expectation of spending less time in prison, that is now gone. Okay, Greg Moran, thank you. Sure.